Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 3. And I've even added more to what's on the screen because I'm actually going to read 1 through 17. Hear these words. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy talk from your lips. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, is in the, it, is in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, this is from 12 on. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, thanking God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So one of the things, you know, when you direct a camp, you surround yourselves with people who are better than you and can do fantastic things. So we had senior high assembly and junior high assembly on the campus of Hendricks College last week. And Rod and Ellen were there, uh, and Brooke and Ed were there leading worship. Patrick was all things sound and lights and producing uh, fantastic worship. And so uh, I'm grateful for, for good friends, and I'm even more grateful for our church, uh, for um, having the staff to be able to, to take people to uh, spread the love of God uh, to other United Methodist youth from around the state. So, this is one of my favorite scripture verses. Maybe you've heard uh, the story, it's a story that went around in youth ministry all these years ago, about a family that had two children. The oldest was about four years old when the second child was born. The oldest kept wanting to have time alone with his baby brother, but the parents were afraid to let him go into the room unsupervised. 
Well, they finally figured out a solution. They would get a baby monitor on the crib so they could listen to what the older brother had to say to the younger. So they let him in the room and shut the door. And they heard the older brother approach the crib. And then they heard the creak as he leaned over toward his baby brother. And then they heard this sweet, small voice say to the baby, Bubba, remind me what God sounds like because I'm starting to forget. I'm starting to forget. And doesn't that sum us up in many ways? We go through the year blowing and going You know, after Easter comes the end of the school year, the summer, the football season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and and our roller coaster of faith has many jerky stops and starts, lunges, and sometimes in the midst of, of our business, we actually once again remember that's that voice of God in our lives. Colossians chapter 3. As I said, it's probably my favorite. And many people think, well, why is that? I don't know. Uh, Over the course of 30 years of ministry, I've probably quoted this verse more than any other. I think the whole book of Colossians is fascinating. It's also surrounded uh, by some different opinions of the authorship of this book. Most of us take for granted that it was the Apostle Paul who, of course, wrote, also wrote the letters uh, you know, to the churches at Rome, uh, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica. Colossae is about 100 miles to the east of Ephesus. It was one of the three cities in the Lycus Valley that formed an important trade route, the meeting point between the east and the west. And by the time this letter was written... The once booming town of Colossae was on the downside. It was on the decline. It's doubtful that Paul ever visited there. But because of Paul's teachings in Ephesus and being the father of the Christian movement, it's probable that Paul was in contact with the founder of the Colossae home church. In other words, the church at Colossae was a Pauline church that was an indirect result of Paul's ministry. Some scholars believe that the Colossians and that the book of Colossians was actually written by a disciple of Paul, which wouldn't be uncommon. Comparing vocabulary style and comparing certain words or turns of phrases that are... uh, on any of Paul's other letters, 48 words appearing in Colossians that were found nowhere else in the writings, in Paul's writings. 33 of these phrases were, are not even in the New Testament at all. Now, for this camp, it's especially the use of a more developed Christology or understanding of who Christ is than Paul had written about before. Up until this time, the idea of Christ as creator and as the fullness 
of God was a little too advanced for where the church was. We read more about this idea of theology in the Gospel of John. You can see a stark difference between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you read John, and you can see it's more about the, the Christology of Christ, the deity of Christ. Regardless, if we believe that Paul wrote the letter, then we're talking in the 50s. If it is a disciple of Paul, we're talking about as late as the 80s. Now, for me, I, I really don't care. <laughs> but I, I believe that there's a reason it's, it's in our canon, and I believe that we can still see how it applies today. It doesn't matter to me if it's Paul or, or whoever writing this letter. But possibly one of the greatest pieces to come out of this epistle is what it teaches us about the person and the works of Jesus Christ. And this is called Christology. There's no way to sum up the vastness of opinions on Christology and what a difference means between a high and a low Christology. Suffice it to say that if we read Colossians or the Gospel of John, those are considered high Christology. And if we read uh, that Jesus, the Christ, was the beginning, the middle, and the end, there's a thread that advances through the whole canon of from Genesis to Revelation. So I would encourage you to read more about Christology because to me it helps me understand who we are as followers of Jesus. People with lower Christology tend to put more emphasis on the humanity of Jesus. People with a higher Christology put more emphasis on the deity of Jesus. It doesn't believe, they don't mean that one cancels out the other. And we're all under the reign of Christ as a Christian. But it's, it's interesting to look at that, so I would encourage you to, to look more up about that. So all of these people with high and low Christologies are equally trying to be our best at being the best disciple of Jesus Christ that we can. A high or low Christology does not make one more Christian or less Christian. But having both of these ways of thought in the same tent, especially of the United Methodist Church, is very important to me. Back to Colossians, a book moving us from the baby that was born in the manger to presenting this child, his person and work as a creator, as a sustainer of the universe. So what does the epistle to this little flock in a declining city have to say this morning to our flock in a larger city? Colossians as a whole was written to perhaps express an interest in the people of this church, to warn them against reverting to their old way of life and remind them of the truth if they are going to be believers in the way of life that we are to follow in Jesus. Moving on to our particular text, it focuses on a more practical behavior of the church. One could take it individually if we read it, but this writing was more for the collective body of Christ. And I can't think of a better text to read as we are moving into the business of school, fall, 
busyness, even more, sports, and even business in the life of the church gets busier in the fall. So we move from an introduction and words of gratitude and prayer for the Colossians, reminding them that Christ and his relationship with God, all creation, and the church, as well as written about his works of what has gone on before him. The author cautions against false teaching and teachers and encourages us to to move forward in a life of faith. The author also encourages us to believe in Christ including how and what we should get out of it. Including how and what we should get out of it. Chapters 3 and 4 have to do with how we practice our belief in our everyday walk with Christ, in our home, in work, in relationships, in prayer, in witnessing to others about who God is in our lives. The translation... To our text that I love the most is from Eugene Peterson's The Message. And I want to read a little to you when I want you to hear it with fresh ears. And I'll start from the beginning of chapter 3. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, then act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ because that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your old life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off all those things, everything connected with that old way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this thing that God is about to explode in anger because it wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk, and don't lie to one another. You're done with that old way of life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put on the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, those mean nothing. From now on, Everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, 
humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Wear love. It is your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing, and make sure you cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense, and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. I love that Eugene Peterson translation. It speaks to me. He talks about this wardrobe. This wardrobe, what you wear normally. Now think about going to your closet and opening the door and I don't know about you, but there are only certain things I ever look at. There's, at the ends of my closet are these hangers that are all slid together of clothes that I either can't wear anymore or that have holes in them or the collars are fraying at the top, but I still like them and I just won't get rid of them. But think about that wardrobe and how that wardrobe changes over time. When I think back to when I was really young, I could always count on the night before school, my mother laying out my clothes for me. And then as I got older, sometimes she would come in there and help me button the buttons and take her time doing that just to make sure that I looked dressed. <laughs> but... Then I got older, and sometimes it's hard because I knew that, that the clothes would be there when I woke up when I was at home, and then as I got older, I was picking out clothes for myself. Sometimes my choices were great and sometimes not. But in this chapter of Colossians, the author tells us to dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Not unlike comparing that, that, that to a new special outfit that you get, maybe that's worn by a baby as they're being baptized. Or a new tie that someone's wearing when they are confirmed into the life of the church. Or maybe when we were doing the Guatemala mission trip and took shoes to a school, maybe those shoes symbolized love to those students every time they put them on. And as we let Christ dress us, the other pieces were called to be into, in action. We're called to be in peace with each other to sing our hearts out to God and be thankful. This is corporate worship at its best with God's new clothing as it completely covers us. 
This new clothing also, also shows our common identity to the world. We're called to embrace this identity and to let our outward appearance reflect those changes that Christ has made on us on the inside. Of course, we can learn from this and, and try to make this about how we should act individually. But again, what does it mean for us collectively as the church, as the body of Christ, as this congregation? What are we wearing in the world as Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church? I think we're doing our best to put on this tailored wardrobe or some of us are digging out some spiritual girdle or spanks so we'll just feel a little better about ourselves. Or maybe we're living in our own version of the emperor's new clothes where people know that we're believers but they aren't sure they're gonna tell us because they don't see us wearing these clothes of love that they're so desperately looking for. And this peace of Christ, I just can't stop thinking about it because I know that I just don't live up to it sometimes, even though I try. If Christ truly is my all in all, if we are to wear these traits of being a disciple of Christ so that the world can see them, then I have to ask myself, does my behavior match my identity? Does my outside match my inside? And another thing about the translation, talks about being tailored, well-fit, and this is in response to what God has done for all of us. Sometimes clothes that don't fit take away from the beauty of a person. Just like ill-fitting behaviors, those detract from the beauty of a person. Now, we're to be called to be in the image of Christ. And once again, that all-purpose garment, love, because we are loved by God. And I have no doubt that the most important thing we can do is love. And if we do this together as a church, it'll bind us together in a perfect way. Billy Joel wrote a song about New York's state of mind. But what if we lived in a Christian state of mind? First, cultivate thankfulness so we can live thankfully. And what about gratefulness? Gratefulness for the miracles that God has achieved from the incarnation or just a peaceful community or a place where we can worship and love and get to know each other. Just a place where we can be who we are created to be in the image of God. And that's beautiful. It's one of the reasons I love our church so much. Sometimes I believe we, we resemble just a mini version on some Sundays and at some times in the year. And it's very special of the peaceable kingdom. A place where I feel that anyone can come and be welcomed. Where the lion lies down with the lamb. But also I know we can do better. 
especially when our world is on polar opposites and we see division every day, even with our own denomination, we see division. So how do we respond? We need each one of us to recommit to being who we are as part of the body of Christ, being who we are called to be. Sitting back and watching the church is really one of the easiest things that we can do, but it has to be more than just show up. We're charged by our creator with wearing love and being the body of Christ to the world. Love God, love neighbor, change the world. We've said it for years and we see pieces of it. But I hope you also believe that we can also do better. Most of us know that growing up in the South, church is just something that you did. And yeah, there's always going to be those people that we only see on Easter and Christmas. But the obligation of being a follower of Christ doesn't end after baptism, doesn't end after you transfer your membership here, doesn't end after confirmation, doesn't end when you graduate from high school. The obligation doesn't end between Memorial Day and Labor Day. The obligation doesn't end when you've been there and done that and got the T-shirt. The obligation when you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and profess to be a member of the body of Christ is a lifelong commitment. And the commitment begins and ends with wearing love and the love of Christ. So as we prepare for a new school year, maybe we need to look at changing who we have become to something that we are created to be. To be the light of Christ in a hurting world, to hurting people, making the choice each day to put the love of Christ in all of us, do it. Someone will be there wearing love when we need it the most, too. Again, love is the all, basic all-purpose garment. And the good news, the best news, is that it's already in your closet. It's there, just waiting for you to choose it and to put it on. And it'll always fit perfectly because it's tailor-made by a creator who loves each of you so much. Amen.